13 verses 1 through 20. One more time. John 13 verses 1 through 20. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Allie. Good morning, everybody. We're in John chapter 13, and we are going to be, uh, have an opportunity to learn something about Jesus but not just about him, um, but in light of who he is, I think we'll learn something about ourselves, um, the amazing difference between the two, so that you and I may have uh, a deeper understanding and appreciation of who God is and his amazing love for us. Um, So I, I pray that's what happens. I pray that you're here with a heart that is willing and ready to respond, and if not, Um, then I pray that uh, over the next few days, weeks, months, or years of your life, that your heart would grow in a receptivity. And and by the way, that's a pretty typical thing that happens to people, is that they hear uh, a message about Jesus, or they hear a message about God, and sometimes it just really convicts, and other times it just need a lot of messages to convict. I don't know how the Holy Spirit works, and it has never asked me for my advice. But I do pray that you're here. I'm ready to, to receive the word this morning. Amen? It's hard for us to come to grips with who we are. And by that, I, I don't mean, you know, sinners. That's part of the equation, but it's more than that. It's more than just that we are sinners. Um, when you really begin to understand what it means to be made in the image of God, to be possibly, if you have faith in Jesus, to be remade in the image of Christ, but just more than that, like, 
how God made us to care for one another or to serve alongside one another. And one of the problems, and, and sin really does, obviously, it just complicates this. It, it breaks it. It twists it. Is that it's hard for us to genuinely be satisfied or okay with who we are. We just, we want more. We want more recognition. We want more, more acknowledgement. We want more praise. And so we take even the most humble and ordinary things and we try to lift them up. You can just tell that something's broken. Here's how I know. When I graduated from seminary with my master's degree, they had a special ceremony. And in that ceremony, every one of us that were graduating with our master's degree, did I tell you I have a master's degree? Like I have a master's degree. They had us dressed different. <laughs> we're not... We're not people with a bachelor's degree. No, 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 no. I have one of those. I had to dress like you people when I was one of those. But no, this, this was more. It wasn't quite a PhD hood. No, I'm not that smart. But it was kind of that in-between thing. And I, I was just dressed appropriately. And, and then at the end of the ceremony, they handed me this towel. And, and, and they essentially said, it was my advisor that gave me the towel, and he just said, and, and now go wash people's feet. Thank you. This, this means so much to me. I, I'll, I'll do that symbolically and metaphorically. <laughs> I, I appreciate the symbolism with which this towel represents something that our Savior did. And I will do my best to care for people symbolically and um, metaphorically so that they might know the love of Christ. Amen? Amen. But I still would like a parking spot, you know, that says lead pastor, not the youth guy. <laughs> you know what's crazy is that that's in all of us. You can tell because I, I know what you want on your business card. Right? You're, you're not just anybody. No, you're somebody. Now hear me, I so want to be somebody that serves, metaphorically and symbolically, but please, will you just acknowledge who I am? Will you just be aware of the importance of me? And if you wouldn't mind to take it to the level, well, not only am I that important, but I'm also like a servant. And so it's, it's just impossible to let this be a towel isn't it? I just, I need more. I just, I, I need to be recognized as more. And that's in all of us, right? If we're being honest, like that's in all of us. It's just so hard to receive this for what it is, a towel. You know how I know? Because then a number of years later, I was given a bowl. I came here in 2004, in 2007, out of a a love and a kindness. The elders and a number of people, they gathered together and we had a special service in which the ministers all sat on the stage and then leaders from the church, particularly the elders of the church, came and washed our feet. And this is the bowl that washed my feet. And I can only imagine, hear me, I'm really not trying to be critical about anyone because this is, this is something that is going on inside of my own heart. Do you understand? But I can imagine someone saying, we better, the bowl should be nice. What time does Hobby Lobby open? 
right? Nobody just went to the kitchen and said, it's feet, get a bowl. No, 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 we got matching bowls. Gold label on the bottom, right? Gold label on the bottom. So it says here, and by the way, I really am grateful for this. It actually says, Sunnybrook Minister Appreciation 2007. And then it quotes John 13, 13. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. John 13, 13. We love you and we, and, and sorry, we love you and commit to work beside you as you serve him. That was given from our leadership. And so this sits on my bookshelf. with the towel <laughs> draped so that you will know that I'm here both um, symbolically and metaphorically to wash your feet. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated by and I'm humbled by and I'm convicted by the struggle that I have to just wash feet. But maybe more than that, to let my feet be washed, to let my feet be washed. And so we have in John chapter 13, beginning in verse one, this continued theme. This is the Passover week. In chapter 12, verse one, it begins with six days before the Passover. All of this language is Jesus is about to die. Jesus is about to demonstrate the greatness of his love. Jesus is about to make it very, very clear the depths of our brokenness that will require the death of God on the cross so that we might have peace again. And in the midst of this, we so struggle with the reality of that, the reality and the depths to which God will go, that God has to go because of his love and because of our brokenness, we always want to clean it up. We always want to polish it up. We always want, at the very bottom of it, to have some kind of gold sticker. It's not just bowls and towels. Sometimes it's plates and cups. Because why? Because it's hard, like really, really hard to deal with the reality of God and the reality of us and the amazing difference between the two and the way in which God has restored. That way that he desires to restore you and bring you home. I remember the first time I was absolutely surprised by the unexpected heart of a servant. And, and I'm not talking about just any kind of a servant because those actually are, are easier. I'm not really surprised by them, but I remember the first time I was listening to somebody describe God as a servant. And I thought, no, 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 that's wrong. Like it might even be blasphemy. But the more that I listened and the more that I reflected on and then the more that I studied I realized, no, that's, that's who he is. He, he is a servant. Just, just listen, by the way. I, I, I am so fascinated by the way that we talk that betrays what we really believe. You know, like, what you do with your life doesn't make you better, you know. It just doesn't. Like, the degrees that you get, the money that you make, the fame that you have doesn't make you better. You know that, right? Right? Same time, 
You know what really bothers me about society is that certain people aren't getting the recognition they deserve. No, but I thought we were all the same. It just betrays. We don't really believe that. No, until, until the certain person of the right whatever stands in a position of authority, we can give all the lip service we want. We really don't believe it matters. We've got a pecking order. We are never comfortable with the bottom. So we're really offended when God decides to go there. I am. What do you mean God as a servant? No, 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 Lord of all. Here's the beautiful thing about God. He is so, and I'm using this word intentionally, he is so full of himself that he is free to be a servant. I would argue the reason why you and I hate it for us and for the people that we love is because we really are uncomfortable with that. We, we really don't like it, but God has never desired to impress you. You need, I need to impress others so that I can feel better about myself, stronger about myself, more complete about myself, right? No, 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 I, I, I know your business card. Like, I, I know the things that we do to demonstrate this. Why? And in part, we do it because there's this hole inside of me. And I'm not content with who I think I might possibly be until you affirm what maybe I think I hope I can be. And we're chasing this. And God has none of it. None of it. Instead, God, humble God. Now, by the way, don't do this. Don't go, you mean Jesus, right? Well, sure, Jesus is God too. But God, where do you think Jesus learned to get on his knees and to serve others? Watching his father. You still wrestling with this idea? I did for a long time. I did for a long time because I still, I still believe that Jesus went, fine, I'll wash your stupid feet. That's not what he does. He demonstrates the full extent of his love. He loves them to the very end, which could mean he just loves them fully or he's going to love them to the end and beyond. But what God does, and this is what I love in the book of Genesis, God makes Adam a helper. See, there it is. I knew you'd talk, Eve, the helper. Like, we're all the same. Why has she gotta be a helper? Um, Interestingly enough, that same Hebrew word is used of God. We're the ones that are uncomfortable with stopping and stooping because of an amazing pride and arrogance that still resides in us. We're the one that thinks less of the person that brought you the drink than the one that owns the restaurant. You do, don't you? And even hope for them that someday they'll grow up and be able to own their own restaurant. But we're all the same, but not really. And Jesus is okay with it. He really is. He's okay with it. Absolutely surprised. Surprised by the unexpected heart of a servant. Like, isn't it amazing? This is it. Isn't it amazing? Imagine where you 
would go and imagine what you would do if you could come to terms with the fact that God loves you and desires even acknowledgement and, worthy, or, and, and praise which he is worthy of from you, but not because of something that is lacking in him, but something he desires for you. Just play that through. There's nobody in my life that I haven't tried to impress. My girlfriend who became my wife, my children who grew up, how can I impress you so that you will love me? And Jesus, there's nothing. I would argue that God is so free by being so like aware of himself, right? That's such a great idea. That God is so aware of himself that he is literally free to serve you. And that's the reason why you have a hard time serving others. That's the reason why you have a hard time accepting a place that isn't what you really deserve. And when you finally get put there, you just even want people to know, you know I decided to serve here. I, I could have done something else. It's amazing how much we're uncomfortable with that. And I think that's why in verse six, Simon asks the question. He came to Simon Peter, the text says, which means that he had probably already begun washing other people's feet, which means nothing had been said, at least that we are aware of. And so, you know, he comes to Matthew and washes his feet and Nathaniel and washes his feet. He comes to maybe James and washes his feet. And no, nobody seems to be saying a thing. They're, they're obviously confused, but they don't know what's going on and, and they've They've spoken inappropriately to Jesus before, and so for whatever reason, they're quiet. And then it comes to Peter, and I don't know if Peter's been thinking, okay, what am I gonna say, what am I gonna say? And I just have to believe, that instead of always just throwing Peter under the bus like preachers like to do, what Peter says makes a lot of sense. Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Are you gonna wash my feet? Now, by the way, that question and then his statement is right. It's not like Peter's not getting it. Sometimes we make fun of Peter because he doesn't seem to get it. No, he seems to get it. Jesus doesn't say, yeah, you're right, you know? Like, I should wash your feet. No, Jesus says, hey, listen, this is how this is supposed to work. We know that there's no student that is greater than his master. And, and therefore, I am a master. And now I'm gonna demonstrate this. I'm going to wash your feet. There's a sense to which he's acknowledging that Peter's understanding is right, yet incomplete. There's a kind of arrogance that exists in the world. I will not believe in Jesus, and I will not believe what he did for, what he did for me on the cross has anything to do with me. And they just dismiss him, don't they? And we just go, oh, the arrogance and then there's a subtle arrogance that creeps into church every Sunday and sounds like this. Jesus, you're not gonna wash my feet. I'm here to wash yours. I'm here to care for you. I'm here, Jesus. Not, 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 to, not to get, not to receive from you, but I'm really here to, to serve you. What can I do? And that's arrogance too. It literally is still keeping Jesus's, Jesus at arm's length. It's the difference between surrendering to God and what God did for us in Jesus and following Jesus 
and knowing Jesus and life in Jesus and religion. Good people going to church and serving faithfully. It's the difference between, wow, what Jesus has done for me and, hey, you know what? Mother Teresa is a great example of service and so is Mahatma Gandhi. And while I'm at it, that Jesus guy seems pretty amazing too. Now, I'm here to serve you, Jesus. I don't need you to deal with me. And, and we do. We sidestep what Jesus came to accomplish. And we do it with well-intended, it looks like humility. It isn't. It's arrogance. And that's when we move from being surprised to, and some of us just get moved to being impressed. Thank you for the example, Jesus. Thank you for, for doing this for me. Thank you for showing me how to do it for others. And there's a lot of Christian people that are genuinely guilty of being impressed by Jesus and never actually dealing with Jesus. They don't know about like forgiveness and peace and reconciliation. No, they know about service and caring for others and being sweet and kind and loving, which, which by the way, can look so Christian and, and shares so many common threads and expressions of love and kindness, but, but one is artificial fruit. It has no root. It has no, it has no substance. One is religion. The other one is faith. And what Jesus does here when he steps into this room is he's saying to his disciples, I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to cleanse you. Like, I'm not just here to give you another example. Man, I thought that example today was really good. Man, I, I loved that one illustration in the sermon today. That was really, really helpful. You know, you've actually encouraged me, Jim, to, to be a nicer person or to be a better husband or to be a better wife or to, to work harder at work. Oh, really? Yuck. I was actually trying to help you find Jesus. I'd like for you to go back and to ask, once you're surprised by what Jesus will do for you, is it an example that now you're gonna try to follow? Or will you just stop for once in your life and stoop to the level of humility where you just lower your defenses and accept the truth you need a savior? He doesn't need you to do anything for him. That's just not who he is. That, that's not something he has wired within him. He is more than that. And that's John 13. Jesus demonstrating to men after working with them for, for three years you still don't get it. What's, what's gonna happen over the next few weeks, because it's John 13, and so we're gonna be dealing with the last day or so of Jesus' life for a while now, and you're going to see him repeating over and over and over again, I wanna I want show you the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
If you love me, you'll have loved the Father. The Father and I are one. And so therefore, this is a strong, strong, strong connection, which means you can't just describe this particular aspect of Jesus as somehow his humanity. Like, devoid of all of his divinity. No, no, no. God the servant. God the helper. God the lover of souls. God the forgiver of sins. And not because he doesn't know, but we are absolutely shocked and more than impressed that he does know and he went nowhere. Like everyone else walks away. That's why we're obsessed with confidentiality because no one can know. And God says, I know and I'm going nowhere. Really? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm here, the Lord says. To serve you. He's completely free to do so. Don't you want to be free? Take a breath. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be free from the, from the burden of trying to be? And allow Jesus to begin to set things in place so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can learn to be? One of the most painful examples of the difference between being impressed and what I'm about to talk about happened at a wedding. Where a young man, I believe clearly in love, wanted to demonstrate the love that he had for his bride. towel and basin and at the wedding washed her feet right some of you are thinking I think I'd like to do that that's a great idea so I guess I was a little surprised that years later he said I found someone else what happened to the foot washing thing I just couldn't do it. It was kind of more of a, kind of a, it was a gesture of love, you know, but now reality is set in. See, and that's the difference between like being impressed by Jesus. Like that's a really cool idea and being transformed by Jesus. Jesus giving the power by the Holy Spirit, not just, and I don't think it was just for show. I, I have to believe he meant it. But what Jesus is describing is not a momentary I mean this, but a transformational I mean this. How do we have that transformational I mean this? John chapter 13, verse 9. This is 19. This is where we become transformed. I really believe that what happens, that what breaks inside of us is that so many of us are guilty of still wanting Jesus on our terms, of still wanting our, uh, our expression of faith on our terms, are still wanting to serve on our terms. And, and by the way, church is one of the best places to keep Jesus at arm length because you don't even know you're doing it. Because it looks faithful, but it's not. 
Jesus actually says in verse 19, I'm telling you now before any of this happens, before the crucifixion happens, so that when it does happen, the crucifixion, you will actually believe that I am he. Truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. Jesus is talking about and calling his disciples for an absolute integration. I want you to know what I'm doing now. I want you to know what's gonna be happening in the next 24 hours. I want you to be able to see that all of these things naturally fit together. And, and, and this is who I am. Are you willing to accept this aspect of who I am? Because if this is who I am, then I expect the same of you. The disciples knew that going into it. That's why they're following him. And so Jesus is Asking for is providing not just an example, but a transformed life that not only knows how to wash feet when the dress is white and everyone is watching, but when no one is looking and they're still faithful. So you have... John's the one that brings the most attention to this foot washing exercise. Luke says it this way. It's so interesting. As Luke is describing this, so Jesus is washing their feet, and then Luke says, and then a dispute arose among them about who would be considered the greatest. Now, can you tell they're not getting it? But he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them have, themselves called, have called themselves benefactors, but it's not like that with you. On the contrary, whoever is the greatest among you should become the youngest and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I'm among you as the one who serves. And Jesus takes everything and turns it upside down. And he's not saying, so here's how you do it. You pretend you're serving so that they will say you're great. No, that's still not dealing with Jesus. It's genuinely being completely at home and comfortable with who God is, with what he has done for you. And before you try to do anything for him, you stop and deal and find joy and peace and purpose and meaning in what he has done for you and what he has transformed you into. And then you're free to go. And I mean completely free to go. And to be salt and light. To make a difference in a broken world. Free from trying to use people so that you feel better about yourself. Free from trying to use relationships and experiences strictly for self-affirmation. But in the end, knowing that Jesus loves you, you're free to love people for who they are and not just what they provide for you. Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter six. Carry one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Those who consider themselves to be something when they're nothing, they deceive themselves. He goes on to say, let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time 
if we do not give up. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all and especially those for the household of faith. How do we do that? How do we bear with one another? How do we put up with one another? How do we, how do we genuinely like, respond to one another in the way that we should? How do we not think more of ourselves? And the answer is we first have to come to terms with who we are with Jesus. Please don't sidestep him this morning. Don't sidestep what he did. Don't, don't fill out. I mean, I swear to you, I, we, we want, and at some level, we really do need all of us to, to be involved in service. But if you somehow think you can grab that service card and fill it out and skip the connect card, more than just the connect card to like Sunnybrook, the connect idea to Jesus. If you think you can do that, you don't understand what this is all about. You don't understand who he is and what he is all about. Ordinarily, when we have our reflection time, which is how we close our message and then prepare us to hit the table, to eat and drink together, we usually have a couple of questions. I don't have a couple of questions for you today. I just have one. Have you allowed Jesus to minister to you? to care for you, to speak the truth about his love and his forgiveness and his devotion to God and to you. Don't miss that this morning. Don't try, college students, don't try to find a place to connect and miss the opportunity to connect. Don't try to find a place to serve, because it really looks good on a resume, by the way. You've heard about this, right? Service opportunities and how it really just How, how sad it is that we treat church like that, that we treat Jesus like that. So before we eat and drink, I just want you to stop and breathe. Ask and answer the question, have I enjoyed the service, the love of Jesus to me, washing me, cleansing me, forgiving me?